None your favourite cricket comedy podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen, back in the chair, back in the east coast of Australia, and sitting across from me, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only, Christopher T. Barty. Bardo, big fella, we're back. How are you? We're back. Thank you very much to uh, Spinksy and, and Joe for, you know, mm. taking the ageing pill from us <laughs> and making it talk. You know, they got it, swing, it, talk, they got it swinging both ways. Yeah, absolutely made to talk. What? It's about time too, because we've been bowling with this cherry for about five years now. So, Oh, mate. Haven't we just? Yeah. My shoulder is sore, oh, let me tell you. My lads are just killing me, man. I don't bend that way anymore. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you who else is lats are killing them, probably. The uh, South African cricket team, after um, mm. somehow getting right to the edge of glory, some might say, right to the very precipice of mm-hmm. getting into their first ever Cricket World Cup final. And unfortunately, coming up against Australia, which only ever means one thing, um, that we somehow, due to sheer privilege and um, belief in ourselves, <laughs> somehow pulled it across the line and uh, won that game. And are now in the final that we definitely don't really deserve to be in, but we're happy to be there, Chris. Happy to be there. Certainly very happy to be there. We were in last place, Pat, after our first two games. We were holding up the table, holding up the table. But all that did... Mate, was help us build some stoyness-like shoulders. Yep. And wow. now we have knocked down every other uh, form of competition that we faced over the course of the World Cup. And we find ourselves in a final, um, likely to come second. <laughs> Almost certainly. <laughs> Almost certainly but, second, yep. You, you know, we've, we've avoided shame. Unless something oh. terrible happens in the final, which is possible, um, we should not be shamed, which is a good... I think it's a win, you know? Hugely, mate. I mean, after the second game, you and I were like, well, turns out we are terrible at cricket. Like, <laughs> we're really bad at it. We should shut it down. We should go and, I don't know, just watch AFL, the game only Australians play. We can't possibly lose at it in the international stage. <laughs> Let's not do it anymore. Yeah. Um, but here we are, Bardo, and, and it's got to be said, we've actually played some amazing cricket. Like, the the opening spells from Hazelwood and Stark was crazy, again, for South Africans. Oof. Like, we, we absolutely ripped them, mate. Well, it turns out, mate, all Mitchell Stark needed was a rest. Just needed a day off. He was just knackered, Bardo. He was knackered. He was just bloody knackered. He was sore. He was tired. He was, buddy, he came back. He was, he was back to his best. You know, all of his wickets were legit, you know, legit... Um, and for the first, I don't know, however many overs of the South African innings, was looking real bleak. First 25 overs, it looked like test match cricket, mate. It looked like... Didn't it? It looked like day one of uh, the Gabba. And I said, fellas, we're a couple of months early. You can we pick it up a little? And David Miller heard me and answered my call. But... Um, what an innings. Look, I think, you know, Stark and Hazelwood just bowled extraordinarily well. They found a way to, to pull it together. And actually, you know, really left South Africa with not a lot of choice but to attack... Australia's two premier bowlers in Cummins and, and Zampa, who was um, uncharacteristically uh, expensive. Expensive. Mm. And also, mate, what a game from Trav. Oh. What an absolute ripping game from Trav. Yeah. Like, opens the batting, and it's just like smashing blokes. 
Smashing blokes with abandon is like, hey pal, what's that? A half volley? No, it doesn't matter. It's gone. It's disappeared. It's over the fence. That's where it lives now. It's me, Travis Head. I got two blokes and two balls. Who am I? The king of Spain? <laughs> it's me, Travis Head. What a moustache. You know, extraordinary. And I gotta say, man, um, the ball, the one in particular, the one that got Jansen was good, but the one that got Klassen was just freaking up. Amazing! It was incredible. It was um, it, it it turned, it deceived. It was you know, it was um, a classic delivery. It was great. It dropped through the air, Bardo. It had drift. It had turn. It had groove. It had feeling. Mm. Um, I mean, Greece was the word. Greece was the know? word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Jansen not only got trapped in front the very next ball, but went up for one of the all-time worst reviews. <laughs> what a what a shocker! <laughs> Taking out the middle of middle, it's like Marco. What are you doing? You got, yeah, mate, you just got wrapped on the back pad like it's, it's over. I think it, I think oh it got hit on goodness. both pads. <laughs> yeah, I might have. I think it hit both pads. Yeah. It would have hit, you know, pretty much all three stumps yeah. too. Um, my friend, uh, what a show we have! We have the re- first thing, first cab off the rank, a cameo appearance, Bardo. A cameo appearance from Michael the Stick Wood, mm. um, our Kiwi correspondent who's had to step away from the podcast due to other commitments. So incensed was he by the uh, Kiwi performance on Wednesday night against India in the other semi final. He sent in a tape, stoked to hear from the Stick. Um, obviously got Jai Singh, uh, Chris the Goodman Goodrick, um, our South African correspondent, who I think, Bardo, has been giving me a lot of stick about humble pie consumption mm-hmm, of late. Mm-hmm. Been a bit of that, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. listeners to the, keen listeners to the pod might have noticed it. Um, but I'm wondering if he might have changed his tune. Maybe he's been Bardo. fasting, Pat. I wonder if he's been fasting himself, He, he might have been fasting from about the second over uh, <laughs> last night. Getting a little peckish. Just like the South African run rate. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, yes, that all of those guys, and, of course, Alex Spinks as well, mm-hmm. um, chiming in with an Aussie's perspective. I, I think, too, even though they didn't play this particular week, Bardo, maybe we might start with Adam Hassan, our Pakistan correspondent, um, who sent in a tape, too. Now, given his team doesn't play, I'm not quite sure what we're going to get here, but I thought we might as well throw him in at the top of the pod and just see what he's got for us. Great, What a great guy to open the batting. What a great guy to go open the batting. I mean... He is a very talented cricketer, our Adam Hassan. Um, so let's throw to him. Here he is, our Pakistan correspondent, Adam Hassan. So, Pakistan v England. There's been a bit of talk around this game. But one thing that slightly slipped under the radar is the context around the Champions Trophy. So the Champions Trophy in 2025 is slated to be held in Pakistan. And to qualify, teams had to finish in the top eight of this World Cup. So leading into this game, Pakistan knew that if we beat England, they may not make it to the Champions Trophy. And as much as that would have been really entertaining, as the host nation, Pakistan realised that having England come over to play in Pakistan would be a great draw for the tournament. I mean, tickets would be sold out immediately, because Pakistanis across the country would want to come and watch England losing match after match in the same way that Indian fans have been able to this tournament. So for that reason... Pakistan took the pragmatic decision of losing to England and in doing so, inviting them to our country in two years' time so that when they come to Pakistan, our people can come and laugh at them. (laughs) So actually a very noble, courageous loss this was against England. A loss for the people. Now, following our exit from the tournament, Baba Azam has resigned as Pakistan captain in all three formats. 
He's been replaced by Shah Massoud in tests and Shaheen Shah Afridi in T20s. As for ODIs, that one's to be confirmed. We're not actually playing any ODIs for a while, so no need to point anyone just yet. Anyway, I'll leave that all for another time, but some very interesting stuff to unpack there. All I'll say for now is I like those decisions. Especially Shah Massoud for tests. We'll see how it goes, but I do like that. In the meantime, all that remains of this tournament is the final. India v Australia. Now as a Pakistan fan, I can't imagine a worse result for this tournament than <laughs> India winning it. So I think there's just one thing left for me to say here. <gasps> and that is... Go this Aussies! Go this Aussies! Go me Aussies! Yes, Adam! Yes! Yes! It's only taken three years, but we made a bloody fan of him. He's on board. He's on the board. Yeah, yeah, we definitely did. Um, and, you know, what I take from that is he actually listens to the end of every episode. It's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, this guy. He's just, uh, you know. He has a level of consummate professionalism to this podcast, which is sorely lacking in nearly every other department. Mm-hmm. Except for our editing now, um, Mike Wilcox, um, Big Papa Mike editing, uh, is adding a real degree of class. But yes, um, Adam <laughs> really does raise the standards, it's got to be said. It was really nice hearing from Joe the other week that he's a fan of the podcast. I mean, it's, we're getting out there, Chris. Maybe we're more popular than we think. Yeah. We're a cult here, hey, you know? Absolutely. Hey. Why wouldn't you be? Hey. Why wouldn't we be? But quickly, um, how do you feel about Baba Razam resigning as the uh, captain there? Bit of a, I was surprised by that. Yeah, that. yeah. Was, I was surprised to, to read it. Um, my only question is I'm not sure what the depth of uh, their options is outside of, outside yeah, of Baba. I mean, he is a world-class performer. He's continued to be a world-class performer, even with the responsibilities on his shoulders. The only thing I guess you can say is it's a different um, skill set, uh, obviously. Uh, mm. So, look, it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Barbara Zam come out to Australia for the summer. I think that you know he'll be a he'll be a highlight for sure, um, and uh, and go from there. But yeah, I'm not really sure who who is going to replace him. Yeah, um, especially in those one days, as Adam says, they're not playing any for a while, but. I mean, Adam's our correspondent. I trust his opinion immensely, and he seems pretty pumped about it. So, I mean, what a what a test for the new skipper to come out to Australia mm. and play a first series out here. It, it could also be one of those things for Barbara Zam, a la Joe Root, where being removed from the responsibility of captaincy does a lot for his batting. Mm. Mm. Um, and God only knows the man is talented enough. So, um, potentially, potentially a great move. Um, TBD, TBD, TBD. TBD. Mm, um, and Adam, great to have you on board as an Aussie fan pal. Bardo and I will package up um, some miscellaneous bits and pieces. Um, a beanie, a little thing of Vegemite, um, and a VB coaster. And post that to you, pal. And that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the big three um, that you need to, to get you there. Um, an overwhelming sense, too, of um, success without necessarily deserving it. Um, is the other thing you need, Adam. Mm. Um, that's the yeah. that's the big yeah, bit, of, <laughs> bit of cricket entitlement. Cricket entitlement. That's right. Exactly right. That's what you need. Um, okay, Bardo. So, so, um, would you like to go to Jai Singh, or would you like to hear from Michael Wood about this first semi final first? Look, it's a special day having Michael Wood uh, back on the podcast, Pat. Uh, it's a special day for for our podcast a special day for New Zealand but it's also a special day for New Zealand Pat because in 1923 on this oh, no. day <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> you thought it was gone. <laughs> I, I thought you'd forgotten about it. Ah, <laughs> oh, Christ. Just let me, let me do this one. Whose birthday is it? <laughs> it's Bert Sutcliffe. Pat? I've actually heard of Sutcliffe. <laughs> Have you? I think so. See, you'd regret it if I didn't do it. Bert Sutcliffe, who was born today, would be a banker for any all-time New Zealand 11, which I assume means automatic selection. Uh, along with Neil Harvey, Sutcliffe was the finest left-hander of his generation. He played 42 tests between 1946 and 1965. That's a 19-year career. Without ever... Is that 19? Yep, it is. Without ever being on the winning side. Jesus. <laughs> 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 Losses, Nineteen <laughs> <19 laughs> years, two decades of losses of L's, really? L's and D's. Oh at what God. point? At what point do you go? Gee, these losses are really starting to pile up. <laughs> um, he had no. This would be such a great bat in a losing side so yeah. consistently. Oh, that's brutal stuff. Anyway, he had an outstanding tour of England in 1949, hitting four fifties in a maiden Test tournament in seven innings. He was named one of Wisden's Cricketers of the Year in 1950. With his textbook style and cheeky, cheery demeanour, Sutcliffe was a hugely popular figure. He also excelled in India, uh, where he made three of his five test hundreds. All three of them were unbeaten and averaged 68 on that tour. He passed away with cancer in 2001. So to you, Bert Sutcliffe, we salute... We absolutely salute. Like what a what an exercise and perseverance from that bloke. We uh we absolutely salute him, Bardo. And speaking of people we salute, let's get to him, folks. Here he is, Michael the Stickwood, our Kiwi correspondent. G'day, g'day, the stick here. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to the pod this season and throughout the tournament, so thanks for having me back, even though it's on a slightly sadder note with New Zealand having lost the semi-final against India. We've made the last five one-day Cricket World Cup semi-finals, and obviously made the final in 2015 and 2019. So this small island nation is backing up a solid era of cricket performances once again. This time was a little different though, playing India in India. Good luck to whoever has to do that next. Um, but yep, we really did want to win that toss. Much was said about the pitch in the hours before the game, but at the end of the day, 724 runs were scored. Mm. I'll leave it to Jai to speak about Shami, Kohli, Ayer, etc., who all played brilliantly. But it's always difficult when the ball doesn't swing when you're a swing bowler. Bolt and Sauby, who together got four for 186 off Oof. their 20, it was always going to be tough. Mitchell Santner, who's had a great tournament really, got uh, 0 for 51, including a maiden of his 10. Uh, so even with India's stacked right-handed batting order, Santner kept them in check with the run rate, but just not quite picking up the wickets where they were needed. I never thought I'd say this, but I did have hope that we would chase down 397 runs, especially when we were 220 for 2 before Williamson got out. Then again, the partnership of Mitchell and Phillips still made things possible. We lost by 70 runs, but it was actually closer than the score suggests. Mitchell's 134 off 119. In all forms of the game, he's brilliant. A great find over the last few years, and just what our middle order needs. Not to mention him hitting the longest six in the tournament at 107 metres. 
Williamson scored 69 off 73, also worth a mention, playing beautifully considering he has played so little with his injuries and then comes in and scores a bucket load of runs. Uh, we were all out for 327, unfortunately not making the final this year. A couple of things. I would have picked Nisham over Chapman, although I do have hindsight on my side. We all love Nisham, even that Aussie, um, oh, what's his name, uh, Adam Spinks. Yeah. All right, I mean, I get I get Spinks' name once, wrong once, right? And then all of a sudden, I'm a pariah. I'm a bloody global pariah, buddy. Um, and and I've had it up to here, all right? I, I know Spinks' name. I'm just not going to say it out loud. You know, one of his biggest fans. But really, you know, Nisham's the sort of guy that could just come in and perhaps just give us a moment towards the end that might have just turned things around a little more as he also very quickly did against Australia in the round-robin game. Which, for me, by the way, was the game of the tournament. Matt Henry, I think, would have had a big influence if he didn't get injured last week. He's made massive improvements over the last couple of years, and so such a shame he wasn't there to see the tournament through. I actually think he might have got a key wicket or two in there if he was there. Tom Latham didn't do a lot this tournament, which is a bit of a surprise considering he's usually one of our best performing players in India, as is Devin Conway. You know, aside from his first game, Conway didn't score many runs at all. Another good player of spin and on these surfaces. Like, yeah, like he wasn't like Joe Root bad. Um, <laughs> nah, sorry, that's a bit mean. Um, he wasn't Johnny Bairstow bad. <laughs> But I think, you know, it's just a bit of a blip, and I'm sure he'll score many more runs for New Zealand again very soon. Across all forms, New Zealand have made semi-finals, finals. We've got a World Test Championship. We've got great players, a wonderful coach, good intent. So although we bow out at this point, I'm very happy with where we are and how we played. In this tournament, we played opposite to Australia, really. We started well and then faded. But if you look at it, the only shocker we had was against South Africa. But aside from that, all our other losses were close and we were competitive. Sure, I'm disappointed. It would have been great to put the situation four years ago right, but not meant to be. This time, we lost to a better side. It's been discussed on the pod recently, but would be amiss of me not to mention Ratchin Ravindra. And Before we get to Ratchin, um, Bardo, we've got to say that New Zealand played extraordinarily well at this tournament. Um, and... You know, all things considered, they probably deserve to get in to the final probably more than we did. I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm being too self-depreciating of Australia. Like, Australia won seven on the trot. Um, we did a great freaking job at the back half of this tournament. It really pulled our stuff together. But um, I, I can't help but feel like the Kiwis are a little bit hard done by in, in not making it through a bit further. What do you reckon? Look, there certainly would have been no complaints if they had made the final. I think on the whole, they, they genuinely played pretty well. Um, you know, I think they probably dropped a couple of games that they would like to have back. Um, but, you know, my my um, recollection of New Zealand this World Cup is that they were a very strong side. Um, and certainly, you know, Rashim Ravindra um, has been one of the finds of the tournament, if not the find of the tournament. Um, what a revelation! You know, if he was riding, if he, if he was riding in the Tour de France, he'd certainly be wearing the white jersey for best young rider. Um, oh, I actually, rider. you know, I don't mind that actually as a concept. You know, I had different caps for. I don't know how you do that, but um, they did that in the BBL. I think they do that in the BBL. Golf, which, yeah. yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind it. But um, anyway, he, look, he'd certainly be winning that competition by a country mile. I can't see anyone get anyone else getting close. Um, anyone else about Ratchin? Just quickly. 
a pretty tidy little bowler, bowler but mm. I think those his bowling's really going to come on um, as he as he develops. He's going to be he's going to be one of those sort of batting all rounders. Maybe you can you know bowl a couple of overs in that sort of maybe Maxwelly heady sort of area. Um, mm. I've been incredibly impressed by him, and you just got to be. I mean, I'm really impressed by how the Kiwis go about their business. You know, like they got good spinners. They got their spinners. I thought were really great in this. Um, I thought their quicks were were awesome. A Bolt Southie. I love Lockie Ferguson. Butto. I'm a big yeah. Lockie Ferguson fan. He bowls wheels, mate. He bowls sheer rockets. Yeah, look, he bowls absolute heat. There's absolutely no concerns with New Zealand's pace attack. They've got plenty of options. Bolt and Southie. Uh, I think um, might be two and three on their all-time ODI wicket-taking list. Um, I'm surprised. So, also with uh, sort of careers that are, you know, sort of getting up there around the 15, 16 year mark, um, a few more wins than our mate Bert. But um, yeah, look, I, I'm quite comfortable, as, as stickers, I'm quite comfortable with, with New Zealand cricketers. What's interesting, I think, for Ratchan Ravindra is um, it's obviously quite early in his career still, um, but can his test record catch up to, you know, the prolific performances he's had in one day international so far? Um, yeah, had a relatively. Um, inauspicious start to his test career only averaging 14 um, I think that that'll be exciting to, to watch that unfold because he, he could be an absolute monster oh yeah man I mean he's 23 Bardo I mean I, you we, we knew each other very well at 23 Bardo and I don't remember any of it you know I don't remember a, a shred of it um, 23 vague memories of it I just moved to Sydney I think like who who was I what was my deal I was mainly just drinking beers probably uh, yeah well that's day. yeah that's a fairly safe assumption yeah, that's a fairly safe assumption. But who knows? You know, what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of development to go for that young man. A lot of development um, to go. He's, yeah, he's, he's set to be a legend. Anyway, let's hear the Sticks' thoughts about him. His performance this tournament. What a guy. All class. Snuck into the side due to injured players, but hopefully will stay there now. Incredible style and technique. A cool head. A lot of hair. The future of New Zealand cricket. Leadership potential? Question mark. Uh, speaking of the future, this tournament is a bit of an end of an era, I think, for our one-day World Cups for New Zealand. It's been amazing over the last 10 years or so, um, but by the time we get to 2027, we won't be seeing the likes of Southey, Bolt, Nisham, and probably Sodi, but also the guys who are about 32 or 33 years old now, the likes of Devin Conway, Kane Williamson, Daryl Mitchell, Mitchell Santner, and Lockie Ferguson. Not writing them all off, but I'm guessing that maybe for some of them, this is it too. Time will tell, but I think we'll be looking at a very fresh new side next time around. A great service by all these men. I've loved watching them, so I just want to thank them for all the joy they have brought me. Oh, oh and um, also a great cameo by David Beckham and Virat Kohli's wife, who got a lot of screen time, no doubt uh, setting her up for some of her own brand ambassador campaign in the future. And look, um, I'm not a... Con- quickly on that um were you surprised to see bex out there just uh swapping miami shirts with sachin uh yeah. was that um crow's feet for you bud <laughs> it was a little unusual wasn't it um didn't, sort of like bex what are you doing here pal it's great to see you oh uh, love bex look, hey man he's got um, hey. he's got a special on netflix he's got uh, great great doco too we love the doco. as you say he's the co-owner of uh into miami um the guy's got some things to plug you know, and absolutely big audience, big audience in India. And he so. seems like a lovely bloke. Seems like a lovely you haven't bloke. watched the bloody special? Watch the special; yeah. it's sensational. True. But I was just like, Bex, what are you doing here, pal? What are you, what are you up to here, pal? And Sachin in his aviators, 
Coley bowing to Sachin and his aviators. That that whole thing was it's real. And the great cricketer said this week, it's real coronation stuff. And um, yeah. I couldn't agree more. It felt like, you know, let's just get the, the crown jewels out. Let's just hand them over here. It was, I don't know, but it was pageantry. It's pageantry. Yeah. I don't know. Look, yeah, electric. So maybe that's what he's there for. He loves a pageant. True. True. Yeah. And look, if you're going to get pageantry, get Beckham. That's what they always <laughs> say. Anyway. Conspiracy theorist either. But just like on something completely unrelated, um, the slow over rate for India, four overs behind, apparently that wasn't an issue, um, or that New Zealand's batting innings was being on the pitch next door. Um, no, not really. <laughs> what was it? That ball moved a lot towards the end there. Uh, and Rohit, who's like such an incredible player, amazing timing, and can hit the ball wherever he wants, and yet struggles to toss a coin up in the air when the opposition captain can't see if it's a head or in fact a tail would just pull off your bloody tinfoil hat mate just get just pull off your tinfoil hat just take it easy well let's get the red string down off the wall but uh, i mean are you you with me here are you feeling like there's a bit too much tinfoil going oh no 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 i think keep it on my friend keep it on (laughs) if not for your benefit then for ours um (laughs) Yeah, look, I think a few interesting, uh, yeah, a few interesting bits and pieces uh, along the way. I, I, I'm not quite sure that, that cheating at the toying, the toying cost, coin toss is something that uh, occurred, but uh, I don't think it's too much of a stretch of the imagination to say that the BCCI has ensured that um, the Indian side have favourable playing conditions. Um, are you saying the BCCI actively works in the in the in the eyes of the um, Indian cricket team, Bardo? Would that be the case? I couldn't possibly confirm. Nor Nobody can possibly confirm that. Nobody. No. Please put the gun down, sir. I said it. All right. There's no evidence. Um, yeah. No. No evidence to support that, Bardo. The BCCI is a perfectly neutral organisation. They have <laughs> no holds yeah. on anything. The spirit well. of cricket is alive and well within the BCCI. That's correct. <laughs> Anyway, that's all from me. Um, oh, just before I head off, though, your old mate, Simon O'Donnell, he's an issue with us checking if a player is in need of some help. I mean, sure, there's no way an Australian would help a guy out who's in pain. That's fine. That's the way you play. But over here in New Zealand, we're a bit different. In semi-finals of the past, whether it be the hand of Grant Elliott or Daryl Mitchell refusing to take an easy single when he bumped into Rashid in the 2019 T20 semi-final against England, feeling that he got in the way of the Englishman, you know, we're just a little different. We're just nice on and off the field. Uh, I have no doubt we'll keep playing that way, and I'm glad about it. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to the final. Part of me is also happy that the chance of having South Africa win the Rugby World Cup and the Cricket World Cup won't happen. But there we go. Enjoy it, and may the best team win. Thank you, Michael Wood. Thank you to the stick. Great cameo. It was like Manus Labashain there coming in when Steve Smith got a bit of a ball to the face from Joffre Archer. Um, what a concussion sub. What a fella. Great to see him. The Ole Gunnar Solskjaer of two for none. Um, there he is, off the bench, kicking goals. Uh, too many too many metaphors all in one, Bado? Or, uh... Hey, I've had a photo with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer once. Do you really? Yeah. yeah. Was this in your time period of also when you went and saw Jay Reed and tried to get him to do stuff and he thought you were a knobhead? This was actually after I I got oh. I had a photo with Matt Pryor and Joe Root and they thought I was Bill and a knobhead. 
And I'd obviously learnt my lesson because my photo with Oliver Solskjaer went significantly better. Oh, that's great, mate. We do love to hear that. Oh, and, and just to, um, so to bring the people in, in case you didn't hear, Simon O'Donnell, uh, former Australian all-rounder, said that the Kiwis were too nice after their loss to India in the World Cup. Um, he said he questioned their nice guy persona um, and asked if that was doing them any favours. He said something along the lines of, why would you go and help Virat Kohli when he had a cramp when they're heading for 400 in a World Cup final? Virat's tearing your country apart. You want to go over and give him a hand? Under no circumstances should you have gone within 20 metres of Virat Kohli when he had a cramp. I, I don't know that um, going over to Virat when he's cramping is necessarily going to do much to aid or um, abet him. But mm. I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to do any... There's not much present content outside of just being like a regular human who's concerned for the well-being of another human. Yeah, like, yeah. What do you reckon? Um, look, I take the point that Simon O'Donnell's made there. I'm just trying to think what his nickname is. Oh, uh, let me Google that. Anyway, it's like Moose or something. Um, regardless, um, look, I certainly take his point, but uh, I do think that, look, there's, there is uh, some general decency that when a player is in distress, you're allowed to check on how they're going. I think it's fine. Not a problem. Yeah. I, if you started I running for him, fine. if you strapped the pads on, then we'd have... No, that would be strange. Yeah. That, yeah, I agree. That would be a bloody issue. Um, hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks for sending in a tape, bud. And and also, like, big congrats to the Kiwis. I, you know, they, they, yeah, I thought they were wonderful. Um, I, I really enjoyed watching them. I thought they were going to go really far in the, in the tournament. And um, like I said, I can't believe we're here. Hey, um, on that, should we hear from Jai Singh, Bardo? Jai Singh sounds good to me, Pat. Let's do that. And just before he starts, can I just say how bloody good India have been? Ugh. They have been flawless Bardo they have been sensational like we talked last time you were on on the pod about Shami's bloody presentation of the scene I mean Shami's bowling up a storm Virat's beating Sachin's record uh, Rohit's hitting everybody 360 uh, they are just immense 397 for 4 if you don't mind well um, bloody hell if this doesn't tell a story about I don't know what it does the, the top wicket taker for the tournament is Mohammed Shami he had an average of nine. Bloody hell. So that that's impressive. Um, and then Virat Kohli as uh, the top run scorer by some way um, with an average of 101.5. <laughs> Jeez. Mohamed Shami, may we say, 23 wickets in six innings and an average of nine. Yeah. Dare we say it, Bardo? That's Scotty Boland numbers, mate. Yeah. That's bloody Mitchell Johnson 2015 numbers. That's outrageous gear. It really is Scotty Bowling numbers. Uh, build them out of statue. And I think they might. <laughs> I think genuinely, when they when they probably win on Saturday, um, they Sunday, they may well build that man. They, they might actually take it as a serious suggestion. Yeah, get him up, I reckon. Yeah. Get the bronze going. Um, this is Joe Singh. India's semi-final against New Zealand served up a sizzling smorgasbord of sensational statistics. Rohit Sharma became the biggest six-hitter in World Cup history, setting the mark not only for the most cumulatively across a career, but also for a single edition of the tournament. India's top order provided the only instance I could find of a top five all having averages of at least 49.14, as Shreyas Aya and Kale Rahul nudged their averages above 50. Wow. Rohit's probably would have topped 50 as well by now, but he's been committed to providing India with high-octane, high-risk starts and has been using the form of his life to help the team at the expense of his average. 
And speaking of 50, today was all about the big 5-0. It has been 50 days since... <laughs> no, just kidding. Virat Kohli scored his 50th ODI 100 today, eclipsing the mark of 49 set by Sachin Tendulkar in 2012. An eclipse is an apt word, because the number of Indians who worship Sachin today is probably more than the cumulative generations of ancient people who worshipped various solar deities. It was fitting that Tendulkar was in the crowd at his home ground as Kohli, his spiritual heir, broke what we had expected would be one of his more enduring records. In fact, with Sir Viv Richards also in attendance on commentary duties, the three prime contenders for the position of greatest ODI batsman of all time were all part of this historic moment. It truly is an amazing achievement. And if I could just reflect on a moment, except, hang on, I've just got a message here from Pat and Chris who say, tell us a bit about the match. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about the match. India got off to a fast start again, Rohit lasting 40 seconds. I gotta say that I'm really glad that Jai's getting my messages these days, Bardo. I'm really glad they're coming through. You know, it's great that he's reading them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Look, I've always had, he's on the ball. Always had concerns over Jai's level of language literacy and numeracy, and um, <laughs> nice to see he's overcome that barrier. Definitely has. And quickly on Virat, mate. The numbers are absolutely crazy. Two hundred ninety-one matches. Um, 13,000 runs in ODIs, high score of 183, averaging 58, if you don't mind, 50 hundreds, 71 fifties. I mean, that's that's crazy, pal. I don't even know how to get that. And and he's just taken polls too, if you don't mind. I mean, like I say, Bardo, it's procession, mm. bud. It is golden carriage through the streets of the city, it is um, dancers in the front, it's jugglers in the back, it's royal jewel stuff. It, it really yeah, is. Yeah, it's uh, it's statue building, it's stand naming, um, yep. tyre selling. <laughs> we hadn't mentioned MRF this whole you time. Know, have we they got any left? Did. Have they got any left? <laughs> Have they got any left? Is there any rubber left in India? Yeah. That's the big no. question, but I don't think so. I think it's all out the door, pal. Mm-hmm. I think it's all on wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, crazy. I'm sorry. Back to Jai. 29 before Shulman Gill, 80. Virat Kohli, 117. And Shreya's Ayer, 105 from 70 balls, propelled them to 397 for four. Ayer brought up his 100 from 67 balls and provided the acceleration along with Kel Rahul, who got his eye in with 11 from 11 balls and then lashed 28 from his next nine. Shulman Gill had to retire hurt on 79 from 65 with a suspected groin strain, but it turned out just to be cramped, and he came back to add another run in the final over. It made for a strange-looking scorecard. Years from now, anyone looking at the scorecard without checking the form of wickets, which of course would be a rookie error, would assume that Shulman had batted through for 18 on out, while Cawley and Ayer each made hundreds in successive partnerships with him. India were quite lackadaisical in the field, giving away 15 wides and four overthrows early on. They ended up bowling a full two overs worth of extra deliveries, but then offset this by bowling New Zealand out with seven balls to spare. With a run rate required ballooning every over, New Zealand badly needed a right-hand bat off-spinning all-rounder called Glenn at number six. Glenn Phillips did his best to ensure a miracle, but he tried using both legs which, as we know, is not the approved method when gunning down impossible targets. Daryl Mitchell's heroic 100 in combination with Kane Williamson was in vain, as Mohammed Shami posted the best ever figures for an Indian in an ODI, blasting out 7 for 57. Wow. It's astonishing that he might not have played had Hardik Pandya not injured his ankle earlier in the tournament. 
it's an interesting thought experiment to wonder what would have happened if they'd kept leaving Shami on the bench. They would have had to find 23 wickets from six matches somewhere else. And so Australia will await India in the final after demolishing South Africa. What do we think will happen there? Well, at the risk of being partisan, I think we'll probably see another India victory. It's hard to see this Australian class against this Indian team repeating 2003. However, if Australia bowl the way they did against South Africa and India bat the way they did against Australia in the group stage, with Kohli in that match lucky to escape a dropped catch, we might be in for an upset. But if India bat first and don't lose four wickets in the power play, I think we'll see business as usual. Yes, Jai, couldn't agree more, my friend. Couldn't agree more, pal. Thank you so much for getting in a tape. And you know what's, you know what's amazing is that Jai Singh is a very analytical man. Mm. Right? He's mm-hmm. a very analytical man, and he's one of those fellas too that likes to identify a problem and identify a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it's how he exists in the universe. And seeing his team be so immense be the colossus of roads of, of cricketers still isn't enough to really get Jai pumped to be like, guess what, fellas, we're coming for you. <laughs> if we were ever going to hear Jai be in the space of being like, guess what, boys, pack your bags, arrivederci, enjoy the, enjoy the meal. Yeah. Um, you're going to hit half time because it's going to be your last. Catch you later. I thought we'd hear it today. But even now, he approaches with caution. But it's, he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. Um. Look, yeah, hard to disagree with any any assessment that Jaya has given there. I, I, yeah, interesting to think that the only way that Australia might find its uh, um, way to a victory is if the bowlers are on song and you know we manage to put the clamps on India's batsmen. Um, mm. I tend to agree. I think that uh, you know our bowlers are stronger than our, our batting lineup as as actually I think our batting lineup has, has actually stood up and been pretty good this World yeah, Cup same. but I think if you look at what, what is the world class element of the Australian team for me it is still the uh, triumvirate of uh, pace bowlers and mm. uh, Zampa who I think currently is ranked second or third on the uh, one day international list of um, we could take it yeah I mean, it's going to take something sensational, Bardo. I mean, here's... I've been thinking about this a lot this week, and I know we haven't got to Spinks yet. I'm not really talking about Australia, but here we are. Um, the reason that we are here, Chris, you and I, talking about an Australian team in this final, the reason that we're here is because of individual brilliance. Mm. This has not been a Jose Mourinho-Porto side. This has been a Carlo Ancelotti-Real Madrid, mm-hmm. where... Don Carlos sitting on the sides with a big old cigar in his mouth, being like, do your thing. Get out there. You know, go for it. And and next thing you know, he's got a Champions League. Um, this is That's kind of what the Australian team's done. You know, every game, one player or two players has just gone, do you know what? Like, we're on here. Like, screw it. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna do the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, fellas. I got it. You know, like... Where it's been Mitch Marsh against Bangladesh or Glenn Maxwell's incredible hog wild, absolute nonsense of an innings against Afghanistan in a game that we absolutely should have lost. Um, we should have no way, no way, no human way should we have won that game, Bardo. We should have been humiliated and smashed and rolled, rolled, Chris, destroyed, destructed. And yet, here we are, my friend. Mm. 
here we are, cigars in our mouth, mm. on the verge mm. of becoming second in a World Cup. Like, pretty glorious stuff. And that's the, that's the rub, isn't it? It's um, consistent excellence versus bare-assed good luck. <laughs> Yeah. One yeah. one team has studiously studied for the exam the whole year. Mm. And, and, you know, has attended every class, done every bit of homework, done everything right. And they're rolling up and they're ready to uh, put pen to paper. The other mob, um, our mob, uh, has uh, cut a few classes. Yeah. They chat in the back. Yeah, I've been punching darts with hot girls they're, behind the behind the bike sheds. Yeah, right, <laughs> you know they're doing um, they're drawing stussies on their pencil case. Oh yeah, and, doing that cool ass. You know, uh, whatever other cool kids did at school, I don't know. I wasn't one of them, um, but you weren't one of them. They, <laughs> who me? Um, but they, you know, but they're going to scrape together. And they're going to ask it. They're going to ask it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's our best chance. It's an absolute arse of a campaign. One team's going to lead head first, the other one's going to lead ass first, and it's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a battle between <laughs> brain and butt. Who will win, <laughs> brain and butt? Oh boy! Hey, um, should we go and hear from Chris Goodrick? Let's do it. Um, hear a little bit of what I'm hoping we might just get a little um, a little smidge of humble pie here from Goodrick. Is what I'm hoping for, but maybe, maybe just a touch. So here's Chris Goodrick, our South African correspondent. Good day, Tufanan, you bloody legends. Chris, the good man, humble pie-eating machine, Goodrick, <laughs> the South African correspondent here, reporting on the SA versus Australia in the second semi-final. South Africa's fifth semi-final in their history of cricket. Yep, you heard me right. It's our fifth time in a semi-final. Never to have got to a final. Rain was imminent and the muggy conditions had Stark and Hazelwood and Co. moving the ball like the first day of a Gabba test match. South Africa decided to bowl first, given our form with the bat, uh, batting second uh, was not a good option for us. So we, uh, we decided to do what worked for us. SA lost Bavuma and the dangerous Decock early and we were 18 for 2 after 10 overs. Yep, that's right. Pretty bad. Uh, Funderdissen was trying to steady the ship, but SA, SA's cautious approach was not working against the Stark and Hazelwood Storm. Rassi Funderdissen eventually out for just six of 31 balls. Let me just say, Australia's fielding in the first 10 overs was brilliant. In particular, Warner and Lavaskachny. Yep, that's how you say it, Australia. I reckon they saved easily. 30 runs uh, in that inner circle fielding. Mm -hmm. So in came Clarsen and Miller. We needed a miracle at this stage. <clears throat> and weren't they just brilliant? The aggressive style uh, recovered the innings. And Davy Miller, you bloody beauty, <laughs> scored 101 of 116, giving South Africa a respectable 
212. Mm. Was this going to be the game that the World Cup so desperately needed? A low-scoring thriller. Yes, at times, SA were definitely in the game. Uh, but Australia came out and were brilliant. Travis Head and Warner taking the game away from us. The damage was done early. Maharaj, Shamsi and Kutsia bowled beautifully and did keep us in the game. But as I said, that damage that uh, Warner and Head did in the first 10 overs um, really um, made it difficult for us. South Africa's weapon in this World Cup has always been runs early. Bat first, get the cock in the game and um, put up a big score. And without that, we crumbled like the edges of a beautiful blueberry and raspberry pie on 200 <laughs> degrees bake. As I sit here and choke on another slice of humble pie, I am quickly reminded on how far these Proteus team has come, how many records we have broken on our way to finishing second on the table. Nobody really gave these Proteus team a chance of getting to the semifinals. And at one stage, we didn't look like we were even going to make the World Cup in India. So well done, boys. You've done us so proud. Quentin de Kock, you bloody biscuit. Born in Johannesburg in 1992 with one of the most unforgiving and worst surnames any player or any person could ever have been given. You have been sensational this World Cup. 400s with 594 runs with only Virat Kohli scoring more so far in this competition. A career spanning 155 ODIs with 6,770 runs Averaging 45.74 and a strike rate, get this, of 96.64. Wow. Not only that, he has kept wicked brilliantly. He will go down as one of the legends of South African cricket. Quinny, we wish you well, mate. Good luck in Melbourne. Go and smash those Aussies up. Guys, I've absolutely loved covering this World Cup. Very, very proud of these pro tiers. Again, we didn't quite get the to the final we wanted, but we certainly gave a good fight. Uh, that's a wrap from me, guys. We'll see you later. Good on you, Chris Goodrick. Good on you, big fella. And yeah, look like I, I, I will be the first to stick my hand up, Bardo, and say that I did not think the Sappers would be anywhere near as good as they were this World Cup. I think they showed a lot of their doubters um, that they didn't know what they're talking about, myself included in that, absolutely. Um, and and what a team. Like, in four more years, Bardo, they're going to be serious. Serious. Yeah, yeah, look, absolutely. There is some definite talent there. And, you know, I think two two matches into the five-match series uh, in South Africa earlier this year, and you were just thinking, jeez, you know, is South African cricket going the way of the West Indies? Like, you know, is this is this it? Yeah. Is this the end? Are they circling the drain? They're circling the drain, but they proved us all wrong. Uh, definitely, definitely not. Plenty of talent going on. It will be interesting to see what their side looks like in a couple of years because, you know, Bavuma's 33, Quinton de Cox mm. uh, retiring from ODI cricket, um, David Miller, who batted, you know, just batted superbly. I mean, wasn't he sensational last night, Bardo? Just quickly, like... He was immense. The stroke play was huge. Like the way he took down Adam Zampa, mm-hmm. he fully put Zampa to the sword. And Zampa's been phenomenal 
uh, ever since he listened to the pod by and we gave him a little bit of a G up ever since then um, he's been absolutely phenomenal Adam Zampa in those middle overs and yeah Miller just dismantled him yeah he took him to the sword yeah look absolutely look showed um, every bit of his uh, experience in his 170 uh, ODIs and um, just magnificent innings as I said at the top you know he only had one choice and that was to attack Australia's two highest performing mm. bowlers in this tournament and, and he did that you know and he gave South Africa something to, to bowl at, which uh, uh, was looking pretty grim there for a, for a period. I mean, mate, they were four for twenty-four. Yeah. They were they were in the middle of Barney Rubble, but yeah. Barney Rubble population South Africa, like they were in big yeah, trouble. Huge, huge, huge world of hurt. Um, yeah, look, I think some lots of lots of lots of things to get um, excited about from a South African point of view. Um, you know, Clarkson, I think is a, you know is a player, although he's also thirty-two. So. <laughs> Yeah, right. Maybe there's a bit of bit of something there. Van, Van Dusen, um, 34. So there's some something to think about. There. Older, but yeah, um, you know, as you say, they certainly outperformed where they thought that we where 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 they thought that they were, mm. and that's that's um, something to be proud of. Um, and Bardo, can, you, can I throw one please. thing quickly at you? Yeah. Would we consider this a choke, Bardo? Would we consider it a choke? Like in the South African tradition of choking in semi-finals, uh, do we put this one in that in that category? Do you think? Look, it was certainly going that way. It was certainly going mm. that way at four for twenty-four. I thought mm, the occasion's got a bit big on them here. But Miller's innings, I think, for me, uh, uh, helped avert the choke. And yep. um, certainly the way that they bowled and gave themselves an opportunity. You know, at one stage, you know, Australia was in a bit of trouble. I think five down with 70-odd to make. So, um, yeah, true. you know, we only won by three wickets in a game that we probably should have taken care of pretty uh, pretty easily. So, you know... Especially after Trav and Davey put on that start, you know, from one to one for 60 to all of a sudden be like, you know, four for 133, five for 137. You know, like we were in we were in a bit of Barney Rubble there. So, so maybe it's not a choke, Bardo, but you know when you like, you eat too quick? Mm. And you get a little little cough. And you're like, oh, oh. Um, yeah. Maybe it's one of those. Maybe it's a bit of reflux. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, certainly a grumbly tummy. Uh, <laughs> we wouldn't call it a choke. We'd just call it a bit of a celiac event. You know, maybe that's a bit too much gluten. But a bit of a celiac event. Um, but, you know, Pat, it's not all bad news for South Africa. Do you know why? Why is that? Good? Because in 1883, <laughs> on this day, Harold Baumgartner was born. Right. Oh no. Now we don't know much about Harold Baumgartner, other than he was a diminutive slow left arm bowler. And his only international outing came in the first test against England in 1913-14. Unfortunately, the Great War ended his first class career. Uh, so, you know, happy birthday to Harold. Uh, he would. <laughs> you bloody love you on this day, don't you? You're so pleased with it. Yeah, he's 140 years old. Um. <laughs> And his middle name was Vane, as in like wind vane, weather wow. vane, weather vane, weather vane, weather vane, weather vane. Weather vane. <laughs> Don't add us. Don't add us, yeah. mate. We only have one more person to hear from, and uh, that is the great Alex Spinks, Adam Spinks, Alex Spinks, uh, the great Alex Spinks, of course, our Australian correspondent. Let's fire him up. <laughs> Gents, oh, 
doesn't that just get you pumped after a squeaky bum time win like that? Courtesy of my good friends, German power metal gods Power Wolf, that's just a song that gets me up in the morning. And a good thing too. Because I couldn't send myself to bed in good conscience last night whilst wickets kept dropping like we were being attacked by magpies in September. 3.45am <laughs> Sydney time that ludicrousness finished and I needed to celebrate in some way, so I popped my headphones on, loaded up some Power Wolf, and very quietly danced in my lounge room for about 20 minutes before I got a text from my wife telling me, for God's sake, go to bed. Which I did. <laughs> then I got up at 7am, popped on some more Power Wolf, and got ready to record this for you. I'm sure that I'm not the only member of the Two For None crew that was feeling pretty good when South Africa were 4 for 28 after 12 overs. Mm -hmm. I'm not proud of it, but I may have given Chris Goodrick a bit of stick. <laughs> Something about choking again, etc, etc. Enter Messrs Klusson and Miller to add 46 and 101 respectively from that point onwards. But still, that's, that's 147 runs. Beside those two, the next two top scorers were Gerald Kutzi, please forgive the pronunciation, with 19 runs, and Extras with 11. 212 is very gettable, right? Mm. Well, unless you're Australia at the start of the tournament. Australia True. playing South Africa at the start of the tournament. True. We didn't cross 200 for a week, remember? Mm. But still, totally gettable. Enter Warner and Head. Smoking boundaries are plenty as they cantered at over 10 and over for the first five overs. Of Warner's quick-fired 29, he took one single, one four, and four sixes. Wow. We were on top. Demolition time, baby. We could be in bed by 1am at this rate. Enter one Aiden Markram stage left. First ball, right arm, part-time off spin around the wicket. Australia had already watched Travis Head and Glenn Maxwell get appreciable turn with their part-time off spin in South Africa's innings. So maybe some circumspection is needed to determine how much turn Markram's going to get. Nope, sorry, scratch that. Uh, try to smash him out of the park ball one, swing through the wrong line as if there would be no spin at all and get bowled first ball. Gotcha. <laughs> Alright, thanks for that, good start But head's still ticking along Bison, it's your turn You want to use your nimble feet and impressive height To get forward and smother some of this spin I like Kevin Peterson and do the job for Australia Nope, you want to sit back and squat and flail at the ball Spinning into your pads, almost getting LBW'd for padding up And not playing a shot until you finally face a pace bowler And try to smash Rabada out of the park Only to get absolutely plucked out of the air by Rassi van der Dusen Taking an honest-to-God screamer at cover <laughs> Great, cool Alright, uh, Smudge is in Not... <laughs> Quickly, can we just say how much of an absolute screamer that catch was, Bardo? Absolute screamer. Top draw stuff. Marsh thought it was going for four, so did I. Yeah, look, he was uh, he was, like, he was like he was planking, wasn't he? Man, it doesn't. He was fully he planking. He was fully planking. Mate. Yeah. It was uh it was a fair old catch. Um and uh, yeah, as I said, did have us in a spot of bother. Absolutely many runs to get with plenty of time let's settle down again Shane Watson and Steve Smith against Wahab Riaz in the 2015 World Cup semi-final take the pressure off yourselves and get us to the win and wait what Tra Travis why did you try and smash Maharaj out of the attack with his first ball of the game didn't didn't you see what happened to Warner well great now you're both out now we have the Chuckle Brothers in with Labashane in to help settle us down alongside Smith and that was good lads take the slow overs get a couple of runs here and there the odd boundary is nice. Keep it ticking over. And Labashane tried to reverse sweep Shamsi, who, like every spinner this game so far besides Adam Zampa, dropped the ball outside off, ripped it in, and Manus has given LBW with Hawkeye showing it clipping leg stump. <laughs> All right, the big show. Glenn Maxwell is here. Shamsi drops short. Maxwell is set to launch this into cow corner. The ball skidded through instead of gripping and sitting up in Maxwell's bolt. Three. That is three of the most destructive batters in international white ball cricket 
who are all out clean bowled by spinners. Mm. All right, fine. We'll get Josh Inglis to get it there. Yeah, he's been having a great World Cup. <laughs> and Josh played his natural game, but held tightly to the reins. Ticked the scoreboard over all the time in the world. Goodbye, good night's sleep, but still... It was a little chancy, some miscommunication. You could tell Inglis and Smith were a bit skittish, but they were creeping along nicely, with only 40 runs needed from 17 overs. And Smith, what are you doing? Short of a length ball from Kotze, again, apologies for the pronunciation, easily left or glanced fine, Smudges hacked across the line and sent the ball almost perpendicularly straight up into the stratosphere. Quentin de Kock had so much time, he could have contemplated if taking the knee would be a nice show of solidarity to victims of institutional racism worldwide before the ball even came back down to nestle into his gloves. Okay, Starkey can hang around if needed. And yes, Mitchell, it is very much needed. Kotsie, again, sorry. Kotsie's breathing fire and his karate kid headband is actually looking threatening instead of adorable. And he bowls Inglis with a stock standard set of balls going nose, nose, toes. Cummins is time. Our last player who can bat time. Remember that, England? I remember that. <laughs> and thank God Cummins and Starkey edges through to the final with less than three overs remaining. Okay. Lads, I was a bee's pecker away from finding every recipe for humble pie Goodrick could get his hands on and baking them for us all. Buddy, I would have posted it to you. That was not as fun as I was wanting. Great game. Gotta love ODI cricket. T20s can't give you this kind of stuff. But I hate nothing more than allowing hubris into our conversations and then being found wanting. Mm. Oh well, the second place playoff was a cracker, and now we get to watch India march to an almost certain home World Cup win, keeping up the tradition of the last three World Cups, which have been won by England in England, Australia in Australia, and India in India. Those big three cricket boards must be very pleased. Anyway, congratulations to India for winning their third World Cup. Jai Singh, I'm sure you're very happy. Unless... Some very inspiring German heavy metal could solve the problem. <laughs> Let's find out. In the words of Chris Goodrick, see you later. Thank you. Yeah, look, Bardo, you spent this whole World Cup saying to us, all I really want is some a real low-scoring thriller. I want to see one. I want to have one in my life. And then, of course, that game comes in the bloody semi-final to be complete squeaky bun time mm. in a game that should have been won 15, 20 overs earlier. Um, bloody hell, Bardo. Yes, yeah. Look, it was very nearly us who were the choker, Pat. Very nearly, Chris. Very nearly was it us. Very who were the nearly. Thankfully, thankfully, we took a big gulp of water and, and washed that thing down, but... Washed it down, Bardo. Washed it down. You're right. I've been calling for a, uh, a low-scoring thriller because I think sometimes that's the best kind of game, Pat. Sometimes it's the best kind of game. But there was a period in time where I thought this was going to be low-scoring vanilla. However... You did. Uh, you know, as as was rightfully pointed out by both Spinksy and Goodrick, you know, magnificent performances by Miller, who we've talked about ad nauseum, but also from South Africa's bowlers who gave them a shout... Um, yeah, absolutely, mate. You know, yeah. definitely. When Aiden, Aiden Markham came on and bowled David Warner, uh, it was a concern. It wasn't a great dismissal. It was a concern, but thing, was concern. things got more and more and more concerning as the the day wore on. And we have limped into the final, but um, you know, 
hats off to South Africa. It was a it was an almighty performance, and if there ever is such a thing as an honourable loss, um, you know that was that was it right there. But uh, you've got to say that we're recording this on Friday the seventeenth. By the time this comes out, it's going to be Monday, which is after when the World Cup final is, which is a bit annoying, but that's just how our schedules work. Um, but may we say, Bardo, if Australia pulls this off, mm. here's mm. what it's going to require, Bardo. You ready? This is the Pat Cullen list of things it's going to require. Number one, we're going to need to catch like our hands are made of Velcro. Yes. It's going to need to be absolute poop on Velcro catching, number one. Number dos, we're going to need to bat like we are people possessed. And I would go as far as to say, as has been our want since game three, a piece of individual brilliance from one person in the top six. I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to need to bat out of their bloody skin. Mm. Thing number three, Bardo, something needs to go horribly wrong for India. And I don't know what that is. Um, an act of God. Um, Virat slips um, and and doesn't quite make his ground in time and there's a weird run out. Something strange in your neighbourhood is going to have to occur. Otherwise, mm. Mm. coronation stuff, um, get the parades ready, ticker tape unlocked, get the blue, the orange, and the white out, Bardo. This thing is, we're going to get rolled. I, 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 you know, if we don't get rolled, I'll be surprised. Well, all I say, Pat, is to win a world championship, you don't have to be the best team in the world. All I'll say, you just have to be good enough on the day. You just have to win the one game. Um, you know, and whilst uh, India have had consistently high performers across the board, all in career best form. They've actually been the anti-England, uh, I would say. They have been the, the anti-England. anti-England. But if you look mm-hmm. down Australia's um, squad list, everyone on that list has the capability to do something spectacular. Maybe we don't have the consistency of an India, but we certainly have the capability. You know, I mean, we, you can't deny Warner on his day. Look, looks good. You can't deny oh, yeah. Travis Head. Has it in him to do something spectacular? Mitch Marsh, we've seen, has it in him to do something spectacular? Labashane, Labaskagni, Smith, Labaskagni, uh, um, has the capability to do something spectacular. Josh Inglis, we've seen it domestically. We've seen it domestically, certainly has the capability. Stoinis, if he's in the side. Stoinis. Cameron Green, the two metres of man. Cam Green, um, all have uh, all have the capability. And then on the bowling front, you know, look, I, I think it'll be unchanged again. I think they're going to go um, Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins. Um, which is unfortunate for someone like Abbott because I think Abbott's uh, a much better cricket than cricketer than what uh, he gets uh, recognised for. But um, you know those are all, those are all guys all capable of uh, of uh, world beating performances. You know we know Stark is statistically one of the if not the best ever um, ODI bowler for for Australia. Um, so and he's back in Nick, but he's, he's back, back in Nick, Nick just in time. We know what Cummins can do, uh, and we know what Hazelwood can do. So. You, the only thing I disagree with you, Pat, is you said it's going to take one um, piece of individual brilliance from the top six. I agree with everything you said, but I think it's going to take two, possibly three. Three. We got to we got to be thinking four hundred. If we bat first, it's got to be four hundred, which is ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> Insane. You know, it's a high bar. This is a terrible game for Limbo. The bar's too high. <laughs> Folks, we'll be back after next Friday. Uh, we will be recording next Monday. The following, we will be out with our last episode for this ODI World Cup. 
I want to thank um, Spinksy and Joe for filling in for us last week. I want to thank my main man, Chris Barty, for all of his great work. I want to thank all of our correspondents for all of their work. And let's sit down on Sunday, Bardo, and watch a cracking game of cricket. A rip snorter of a game, Bardo. Get in there. Come on, the Aussie. Bloody pull it off, you buggers. Come on, do it for us. Do it for Pat and Bardo. Anything from you, pal, before we sign off? if you just keep that energy up for six hours, we'll definitely be right. That's it. Let's go. Oh, come on, fellas. Come on, fellas. Come on. Two for None is created by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. This episode presented by Pat Cullen and Chris Barty, featuring Chris Goodrick, Michael Wood, Adam Hassan, Jai Singh, and Alex Spinks. This episode was produced by me, Patrick Cullen, and Snap Productions, also edited by me as well. Featured clips and music in this episode include Grease is the Word of the Australian cast recording of Grease, Universal Music 2013, Gala Performance by Laurie Johnson, 1969, KPM Music, and Army of the Night by Powerwolf 2015. All clips and music used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license. Contact APRA.com.au for details. You can check us out at gingersnapsydney.com. Make sure you like, rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend about this podcast. Share it on socials. Get the word out that Two For None's a bloody great podcast, we swear. We will be back next week with a full wrap of the World Cup and a wrap of the To Be Seen final. Woo! Go those Aussies. Go those Aussies. Get us across the line. Go on, fellas. Go on.